Okay, we're going to begin here on the top of Ayin Zayin Amud Aleph. The Gemara is continuing to discuss the proposition that Rava made yesterday, which is that in the Mishnah, when it says that one who carries out wine is culpable, that's why I meant a case where he's carrying out Yayin Chai, he's carrying out undiluted wine, and it's Rova Derivit, it's one-sixteenth of a log, because, as Rava believes, when it comes to diluting of wine, you dilute it three parts water to one part wine. And therefore, our Mishnah says that when it comes to other liquids or any drinks, the shi'ur for Shabbat is considered to be a rivi'it. Whereas for wine, the shi'ur will be rova rivi'it, or reva rivi'it, one-sixteenth, a quarter of a quarter, because that undiluted wine can then be diluted to create a kosho bracha, a rivi'it log of diluted wine, which will be ra'oi for bracha. The Gemara proved that from our Mishnah. Now along comes Abayi five lines down and says, Amr Abayi, shtei tshuvot badavar. I have two questions about your supposition, Rava. Chado. First of all, our Mishnah in Nida says, the Tanan, hamazog, shnei chelkei mayim, vechad yayin. When it comes to dilution of wine, that is two parts water, one part wine, minayayin shironi. From the wine that comes from the Shiron, that's another location, or the Sharon, the plains of Eretz Yisrael, but that wine requires only dilution of two parts water, one part wine. And you're suggesting that it requires normal dilution of wine is three parts water to one part wine. The oath. And the other thing I don't understand is, Mayim Bikad Mitztarfim. You are suggesting here that the undiluted wine, which does not reach the threshold of Revi'i, is considered to be Chashuv and Shabbat because when you dilute it, it'll reach a Revi'i. But in the interim, the water that's going to be used to dilute it is not in this coast. It's in the pitcher. It's in the barrel. And therefore, how could you count that water towards the V'id if it hasn't yet to dilute the undiluted wine? So Amalei Rava, Rava responded to Abaye and says, Hada Kamart, your first question with regards to the dilution of the wine, that it's two parts water to one part mine, that you're talking about this wine from the Shiron or the Sharon. When it comes to Yan Shironi, it's a weaker form of wine. Since it's a weaker form of wine, it only requires dilution of two parts water to one part wine. But that's not the standard for normal wines or more potent wines. I was speaking about the normal case. You brought a case that's unique to that type of wine. Inami, the other possibility of how to answer this question is, that over there, the Gemara Nida is trying to discuss coloring of the menstrual blood, and it gives markers to determine what the color of the blood is. And it uses this dilution of wine, two parts water to one part wine, to tell you that that is classified as red. Rabba says, the Gemara over there is not interested in drinking the wine. The Gemara is interested in the color that is derived from such a dilution. But to drink it, you would require a higher amount of dilution. The Mishnah Nida is simply discussing the color. In the color, it's two parts water and one part wine to get the red color that you are looking for. On the other hand, to drink it, it's still true that you need three parts water to one part wine. And the second question that you posed to me, that the water is in the pitcher and it's mitzvah to the undiluted wine, meaning Shabbat. When it comes to Shabbat, we need something that is considered to be significant. As long as it's significant, then it's a problem for carrying it on Shabbat. This undiluted wine, which is one-sixteenth of a log, is significant because it can be diluted to make a reveal to log. It's not that it's considered a reviatolog, it's because it can generate a reviatolog of a kosho bracha, it gives it significance and people would store such an item, and that's why they would be culpable if they carried it out. Now, Tano, we have a bright uh, tosefta that says, 
Yavesh bikazayit. If the wine coagulates, the size to be chayav for carrying out is a kazayit, an olive size. Divrei Rabbi Natan. That is the position of Rabbi Natan. Amar Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi Yosef says Rabbi Natan, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, Amru Davarachad. Rabbi Natan and Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda both said the same thing. Here is a machloket Rashi and Tosafot how to read the Gemara. Rashi believes that Abaye and Rabbi Yosef over here they're going to have an interaction, but they clearly disagree with Rabbah's interpretation. How do they disagree with Rabbah's interpretation? They all believe that when it comes to a kosher bracha, you need undiluted wine, as well as water. The question is, how much water do you need in there in order to dilute the wine and make it into a kosher bracha? Is revi'it the threshold, or is it not the threshold? After you've diluted the wine and made it drinkable for kosher bracha, have you reached the threshold of revi'it? Rabbah says yes. According to Bayan Rabbi Yosef, it's no. Now over here, where Rabbi Natan makes a statement that coagulated wine is the size of a kazayit, and as Rashi explains, that's because a revi'it yayin, a revi'it worth of wine, when it coagulates, comes to the size of a kazayit. And over here, you need a revi'it yayin of the undiluted wine because you're not going to be able to dilute it. If it was undiluted wine and you could dilute it, it would be sufficient to be one-sixteenth of a log to be chayav, even according to Abayin and Rav Yosef. They simply say that when you dilute it, it won't come out to be a revi'it, and it's not a proof to Rav's position. But they agree fundamentally to Rav's position that, number one, that undiluted wine of a 16th of a log is chashuv, and you would be culpable if you carried it out on Shabbat. They disagree as to what the size of diluted wine is, but when it comes to coagulated wine, they're going to agree that you need a revi'it, because over there you cannot dilute it anymore. So you must reach the threshold of a revi'it of undiluted wine in order to be chayav or culpable in that case. That's the way Rashi learns this Gemara. Tosafot, on the other hand, says that Abayin and Rav Yosef fundamentally disagree with Rava. Rava believes that when it comes to a kosher bracha, you require one-sixteenth of a log of undiluted wine and three parts water to get to your revi'at yayin. On the other hand, Abaye and Rav Yosef believe that the Mishnah says that yayin is undiluted wine in the Mishnah, and the Mishnah that requires when you carry out undiluted wine for kosher bracha, that is the threshold. The threshold for kosher bracha is one quarter of a lug of undiluted wine. If that's the case, why did the Mishnah segregate yayin? It should be like any other mashkeh, any other liquid that is mentioned inside of the Mishnah. So why does the Mishnah segregate or highlight Yayin? The answer to us what this says is Lafuke Midirovo. To say, don't think like Rovo, that when we're talking about the Reviat Yayin over here, we're talking about diluted wine. We're talking, according to Rabbi and Rav Yosef, we're talking about undiluted wine. And that is a reviyat alog that you require of undiluted wine. So according to Tosafot, there's a much more fundamental machloket between Abayin Rav Yosef and Rava. Rava believing that reviyat alog yayin for kosher bracha is made up of one-sixteenth of a log of undiluted wine and then three parts water to get you to reviyat of diluted wine. Whereas Abayin Rav Yosef believe that a kosher bracha requires one quarter of a log of undiluted wine in order to qualify as a kosher bracha. And that's why over here, by Rabbi Natan, it says, in order to be chayav, for Yavesh, you have to have a revit of undiluted wine that coagulates into a kezayit. So that's consistent with their opinion that undiluted wine requires a revit. So that's the way Tosafot reads it. Now, the Gemara continues and explains to us how is it that Rabbi Natan and Rabbi Yossi Rabiud have the same opinion. Rabbi Natan Hadamran. Rabbi Natan's opinion we just stated, which is that the revit yain that coagulates to a kezayit, that you are culpable for carrying out on Shabbat. For Rabbi Yossi is the Brayta, the Tanyo, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Rabbi Yehuda says, Shisha Dvarim, Mikulei Beit Shemai, Umechumrei Beit Hilal. There are six things that Beit Shemai is Mikil, and Beit Hilal is Machmir. Now these aren't the only items in this case, it just happens to be that that's what Rabbi Yehuda had in hand when he came to the Beit Midrash. So he said, hold over those six items, but that's not a limitation on 
how many times they have a machloket where Beit Shemai is the kula. But this is one of the instances, which is dam nevelot, dam from the carcass of an animal that died. Beit Shemai mitarim. Beit Shemai says it does not have tumat nevela. Beit Hillel mitamim. Beit Hillel says that it is tamei. And when Beit Hillel says tamei, means tamei tumat nevela. means that it has the same tuma as the basar, as the flesh of such an animal. When Beit Shemai says Tahor, there are two different opinions of what it means. Beit Shemai might mean Tahor Legamre, whereas Tosafot says it's Tahor from Tumat Nevela, but it still has Tumat Kala as a lighter form of Tumat Ochlim, just not Tumat Nevela. So Amar Rabbi Yossi Yehuda, along comes Rabbi Yossi Yehuda, who is what we're looking for, and qualifies that Makhloket. Af Keshitim U Beit Lo Tumu Elubidam Sheishbo Rivi'it. When Beit says that the Dam Nevela is chayav for eating the vela, that's only when the dam has a rivi'it, a log of blood, hoel, because then it will coagulate and result in a kezayit. And a kezayit is the shi'ur for nevela. So in order to reach the shi'ur of nevela of kezayit, if you have a rivi'it dam, the two will equate. And that's why Beit Tudel says you are chayav in this case. Amr Abayi. So Abayi responded to Rabbi Yosef and says, maybe that's not true. You, Rabbi Yosef, wants to draw a parallel between the position of Rabbi Notan and Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda. Maybe that's not the case. Dilma, lohi, adkan lokam by Rabbi Notan, hocha. Maybe Rabbi Notan's opinion over here, the bai rivi'it el the kalish. It requires a full rivi'it of wine because wine is very thin. But blood which is viscous and thick, you wouldn't require as much blood in order to result in a revi'it. So maybe Rabbi Natan would not agree to Rabbi Yossi Rabbi and think here that less than revi'it would result in a kezayit because blood is denser, more viscous, and therefore it would result in a kezayit even without meeting the threshold of revi'it. Inami, and the same is true the other way around. By dam, it's sufficient that a kezayit is derived from revit because el bedam desamich, because blood is thick and it's viscous. de kalish, wine that is thin, kezayit Maybe for wine to coagulate and result in a kezayit, you would need more than a revit. And therefore, if you went out with less than a kezayit, it would still be chayat, because that would reach the threshold of revit, even if you had less than a kezayit. What Baye says to his Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef, is, you drew this parallel, but that's not mukhlach. It's not necessarily true, because their opinions might derive from the fact that we're talking about a particular type of liquid. And you're trying to extrapolate from that liquid to other liquid may not be true. Properties of the liquids are different, and their opinions might not then be the same when it comes to wine versus blood. And therefore, Abai rejects this parallel drawn by Rav Yosef. The Gemara now asks, with regards to our Mishnah, it says, Chalav The amount of milk that you normally swallow, gulp, quaff, Ibailuhu. When the Mishnah says, is it spelled with an olive? Or kedigmiyah with an ayin. Amrav Nachman Yitzchak, I'll bring you a proof from the pasuk. It says hagmi'eni namat ma'imikadeh. Whenever Abraham comes to the well and finds Rivka there, he asks her to pour for him a little bit of water. And you see that the word hagmi'eni is spelt with an aleph. Therefore, we'll conclude that the proper spelling in the Mishnah is with an aleph and not with an ayin. Ibayluhu. Gemara continues to pose similar questions. In the previous Mishnah, in the previous parak, we spoke about garini. So is Garinim spelt with an alf, or Garinim is spelt with an ayin. Samarava Barula, I'll prove it to you from the Pasuk, because it says, Vinigra Merkecha. It's talking about a Pasuk about the Yovel, when somebody sells a property between the two Yovlot. When he sells the property, you have to calculate how many years have passed since the previous Yovel, how many years are left until the subsequent Yovel. And then, Vinigra Merkecha, and then you reduce the value of the item being sold. So you see the word Vinigra means to reduce with an ayin. 
same way that the word garin, garin is something that is extraneous to the food, is unnecessary to the food, something that you remove. Just like vinegram erkecha is a reduction in the value, so too the garin is a reduction in the amount of food that is there. And therefore the proper spelling of garin here is with an ayin. Ibaluhu. We saw this back in Brachot. When it talks about coals that are dying or dimming, is it spelled omamot with an aleph or omamot with an ayin? What is the proper way to spell that? Amar Paravdimi will bring a postulk from Yechezka which says, Arazim lo amamuhu began elukim. Great cedars did not obscure him, this tree began elukim, in the garden of God. So you see that the word amamuha, which means to obscure, to dim, that says lo amamuha, they did not do it, but it's spelled with an ayin. Therefore the proper term here for the ebbing coals is spelled with an ayin. Ibailuhu, further on in the Masechta, there is a case by a mate, and it speaks about there about closing the eyes of a mate. Question is, when we talk about closing the eyes of a mate, do we spell it ma'amtzim with an aleph nan? Oh, ma'amtzim, do we spell it with an ayin? So Amar Abhir Ba'aba, Amar Abiyokhanan, we can bring the pasuk from Ishayo. It talks about someone who does the right thing. It says, v'utzim enav mira'ot bira. Someone who closes his eyes from seeing evil. You see the word utsem, close the eyes, is spelled with an ayin. Therefore, the proper way to spell the closing of the eyes is ma'amtsin with an ayin and not with an aleph. Now the Gemara continues and tries to qualify what exactly we're speaking about with regards to the milk and the mishnah. It says, Tanu banan, mutsi chalav shel If one takes out milk of an animal, kadei gemiah, then it's governed by the shi'ur that's mentioned in the mishnah, which is a swallow, a gulp, quaff of milk. Chalav shel on the other hand, milk from a woman, and the white of an egg, it's for placing or helping to use for the applicator or the brush that is used to put on the eye makeup. So that white of the egg or the woman's milk was used to place on the applicator to help spread the kilur, the makeup, on the woman's eye. Kilur, the woman's makeup itself, the eye makeup, Bemayim. It has to be sufficient that you mix it with water, then you could place that makeup on the eyes of the woman. By Ravashi, Kadei, Shifa, O Kadei, Shifa. How much do you have to have there? Do you have to have enough that the makeup would suffice to be placed on both eyes of the woman? Or do you need enough there that the application of the makeup, first you have to dip your finger in it and place it on the eye, or if you use an applicator and place it on the eye. When you use the finger or the applicator, it uses up some of the makeup. So do you have to have enough in order to just place enough makeup on the two eyes? but not sufficient to be lost to the applicator, whether it's the finger or the brush? Or do you have to have enough? Do you have to have enough to take it, that which would be lost to the finger or the applicator, plus the amount that would fill the two eyes, take it, we leave that unresolved. Next thing in the mission is devash, the honey. The place on the wound or the scab. Where it says, Tana, Place it on top of the wound or the scab. When we say to place the honey on this wound, does it mean on top of the entire scab, the entire wound? We're talking about mursha is really a corner or a point. Is it the first point or the primary point of the scab? Meaning the head of the scab, is that where you place it? Which would not be sufficient to cover the entire scab or wound. Again, leaves the teku as unresolved. Everything that God created in the world was created for a necessity. There's nothing that is useless in the world. God created a snail in order to use as a salve or a remedy for a scab or a wound. created a fly as a remedy for a bite, a wasp's sting. A mosquito, he created the nachash as a remedy for the bite or the venom of a snake. Benachash, 
and the snake as a remedy le kafafit. As Rashi says, the shechin for boils and blisters. This meat and the spider as a remedy for the sting of the akrab of the scorpion. Hey of it, how do you make a spider into a remedy for the scorpion sting? Mighty chada uchma v'chada chivara. Bring one black and one white spider. And you cook them up, you boil them until they are a paste. And then you rub it on the sting of the scorpion. There are five fears. Where the weaker one has strength or fear that is placed above someone who is stronger than them. Lion fears the mafgia. Rashi says it's a chayatana, a small animal, the kula gadol, but it makes a loud sound, shomeya, and the lion hears it, he thinks that it's a much bigger animal, and it causes a fear within the lion. The lion fears an animal where it's clear that he is much bigger and stronger than the animal, because of the sound of the voice, it fears this animal, even though it is not necessarily logical. Imatutush alapil. The mosquito casts fear on the elephant, as Rashi says over here, because nichnas lapil bechotmo goes up its trunk or through its nose. And the same is true with the next, which is the emat samamit al-akrav. The spider causes fear to the akrav. As Rashi says, it crawls into the ear of the scorpion. Emat sonunit al-anesher. Fear of the swallow on the eagle. As Rashi says, the swallow places itself under the wing of the eagle and doesn't allow it to take flight. And therefore the eagle fears this swallow. And emat kilbit and the fear, whether the gear says kilbit or kilchit, this small fish causes fear for the Leviathan. These, the large, whether it's a serpent or a whale, causes fear for it. And again, Rashi says, goes in through the ear of the fish and causes it a problem. So in all these instances, we have smaller items or smaller animals that are causing fear amongst much larger and stronger animals. Amrav Yehuda, Amrav, Micro. Where do we see that in the Pasuk? Because the Pasuk says, Hamavlig, Showed al oz that Hashem strengthens the showed is the destroyed or despoiled one, meaning the weaker one, al oz on the one that is stronger. So Hashem strengthens the one that is weak above the one that is strong. Rabbi Zerah Ashkach the Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Zerah found Rabbi Yehuda to have a kaya pitcha de bechamua. He was standing on the entrance or at the entrance to his father-in-law's house. He saw that he had a clear head. He was happy and that his disposition indicated that he would have insight into many things. If he asked him any question about the world in general, he would answer him. So here he goes and he poses a number of questions to him. Why is it when the flocks go or move around that the goats go in front and then the sheep come afterward? Similar to the creation of the world. First darkness or night was created, and then afterwards light. So so over here, the general, the goats are black. And therefore they go first. And the sheep, which are generally white, they go second. Why is it that the sheep have thicker tails that cover over their hindquarters, whereas the ace, the goat, has a much thinner tail that does not cover over their hindquarters? The sheep where we take the wool to make clothing for ourselves, since we use their produce to cover ourselves, therefore their tail covers over them. And the goats, which we do not use for clothing, their migalion, their tail does not cover over their hindquarters. My time a gamla zutar genufte. Why is it that the camel's tail is very short? Because it eats in the thorns. If it had a longer tail, it would get caught in the thorns. My time a torarika genufte. Why is it that the shore, the ox, has a much longer tail? Because it lives in the meadows and the swamps. And it has to flap the tail 
in order to shoo away the flies or gnats. So my time cornered the capsule. Why is it that the proboscis or the antennae of the locust are soft, bendable. Shum, the diary bechilfek, because they live amongst the willows. Kasho, and if it was a solid or a hard item, nadjo, it would move. Umit avro, and they would be blinded by it, because it would either poke back into their head or be removed and cause them to be blind. Damar Shmuel, Shmuel confirms this for us. Haiman, the boy, the someone who wants to blind the locust, Shmuel, the carne, take out the antennae of the proboscis. My time, hai timra, the tarnagolta, madle, le'ela. Why is it that the lower eyelid of the chicken covers over the upper eyelid of the chicken. In general, most people, the upper eyelid comes down and covers over the lower eyelid. But the opposite is true by the chicken, that the lower eyelid covers over the upper eyelid. So he says, the diary adape live up on the boards on the rafters high up on the roof. That's where they go to roost. The aisle kitra. And if the smoke from the cooking or what is in the house goes up there, mitavra, they would be blind because eyes would not be protected from that smoke. So therefore, the lower eyelids cover over the upper eyelids to prevent the smoke from entering into their eyes. Now the Gemara is going to go through numerous items over here where they're going to take a word and say that the word is a contraction to give meaning to the word. Whether this is the real etymology of the word or it's just the colloquial way of understanding the word, it's not clear. The Gemara is going to go through numerous words like this. The first one is dasho. Dasho, which is the entrance of the the door, so derech sham, that's the way to go, you go through here, darga, darga is a step, derech gag, it's the way to get to the roof, get upstairs, matkulita is a dip, that is kept around for a long time, a relish or a dip, so what's the word matkulita mean, it means matai techlada, when will this thing finish, I mean it lasts for a very long time, so how long will it be around for, beta, beta means a house, what does that mean, bo, vetivba, come and sit down in it, and reside in it, bikta, bikta is a bayit sarvikatan, a bikta is a narrow and small house. So why is it called a bikta? Bay akta. Because it's a house that is narrow or small. Kufta. Kufta Rashi gives three interpretations to what this kufta is. One is makhteshet. It's a mill of some sort. Or it's a measuring cup for wheat. And he gives a third one, which we think it is. It's golem shil eights. It's a unformed piece of wood, which is made for sitting on. And that's what it means over here. Kufta means kof, place it down, vitiv, and sit. It's a place to sit down, place it down so that we can sit on it. Livne, livne are bricks. So livne means livne bunny, that they will last for a long time. Therefore, children and grandchildren, because bricks will stay for a long time. Hutza, hutza are reeds or a hedge that causes a separation, and that's why it's a chatzitza. It's some sort of separation or wall screen between two items. Chatzvo, chatzvo is a pitcher, chutzev mayim in a nahar, because it draws water out of the river. Kuza, kuza is a small earthenware pitcher, is kazeh, give me a little bit of water like this. Shutita is a myrtle branch, that is used to dance before the kala, tvim samech the kala. Therefore, shutita is shtuta, that one makes folly or happy acts foolish in order to misameach the kala. Mishichla, mishichla is a basin for water. Mashikula, everybody washes out of this basin. Mishkilta, shkilta is a small basin that's for one individual. Mashia kauta, that's a washing basin for a kala, for someone that is chashuv, that has a personal basin to wash from. Asita, asita is a mortar, is chaserta. It's missing something, it crushes things. Bukhna is the pestle. Bo vechenet, come and we'll crush it. Levusha, levusha are your outer garments. Lelbusha, because it prevents one from being embarrassed when they have outer garments. Glima is a cloak. Shinasabu gogolim, that the person is unformed in it because the cloak does not have placement for the legs and the arms. Beg that carries over the whole body, and therefore it makes the person as if they have no shape. Gulta is a long woolen coat, is galiv etav. Roll it up, because it goes down very far. Roll it up in order to sit. Purya is a bed. Shiparim ravinala, because one procreates on it. Bor zinka, zinka is a well that is dried up. 
This bore is empty. This cistern is empty of water. Sudra is a turban. And Sudra, a turban was worn by the Talmudic Chachamim of the time. Therefore, Sudra represents so Hashem Lireyav. Secrets of Hashem are to those that fear Him. A Padno, Padno is the entrance or the castle of the king. And it is a Pitcha Din. On this doorway, there will be judgment. On this doorway, everything will be brought. Because that's the king's palace. And everything will be brought over there. Tan Rabbanan, Losha, Kozman, Shemazkinin, Mosifim, Gvura. The three items that as they age, they actually get stronger. Ve'eluhein, Dag, a fish. Nachash, a snake. Ve'chazir, and a pig. Now the Gemara continues with that which is found in the Mishnah, which is, Shemen, Kedei, Nasuch, Katan. The amount of oil that it takes to rub onto or cover a small limb of a katan. Amrei debei Rabbi Yanai. Debei Rabbi Yanai came to explain this and said, Shemen, Kedei, Nasuch, Ever, Katan, Shel, Katan, Ben, Yomo. We're talking about an avrikatan here, a small limb, that is the pinky or the small part of the pinky, for a child that is a day old. The katan is not only about the limb itself, but it's actually about the individual. That it's not only a katan, the aver, but also the individual is a katan. Is that really true? Of a bright that seems to separate the two. It says that oil, in order to anoint, rub on a small limb, and oil to rub on a katan ben yomo, onto a young child. My love. What is the way to read that properly? Aver katan de gadol, a small limb of a bigger, larger person. Aver gadol shel katan, or a large limb of a katan that's ben yomod, that's one day's old. Amilchad be rabbi yana elo. Don't read it that way. Hachikamar shemen kedela such aver katan shel katan ben yomod. Combine the two, and it's really enough oil to cover a small limb of this small child that is a day old. That the katan is modifying both of them. When it says, let us say this is a mahoket tanaim. Because, shem and kedela such ever katan, katan ben yomo, divi rabbi shem ben alazar. Similar to the brighter that we just brought before. Then we have rabbi natan omer kedela such ever katan. He only has ever katan. My law, bahakim iflagate. What are they arguing about? The bishim ben alazar sever ever katan shel katan. Rabbi Shem says that Aver Katan of a Katan is what we're speaking about, similar to Be Rabbi Anai. Rabbi Natan Savar Aver Katan de Gadol, or Aver Gadol de Katan. That when we talk about the Katan here, he only mentions the word Katan once. So Katan either modifies the limb, or it modifies the individual. So one of them will be big, and one of them will be small. Aval Aver Katan shel Katan ben Yomolo. But Rabbi Natan disagrees and says that a small limb of a young child that's a day old, that would not qualify. Says, lo, the kuliyama, ever katan, the katan, ben yomelo. Everybody agrees in this b'raita, that if it's a small limb of a young child that's a day old, that would not qualify for Shem and to be chashuv to carry on Shabbat. The letter, the Rabbi Anai, and they don't hold of this position of Rabbi Anai. And this is the machloka between the Tanaim here of Rabbi Shem ben Elazar and Rabbi Natan, that Rabbi Shem ben Elazar sevar ever katan de gadol, ever gadol de katan, the reason that he mentioned it twice, or two statements, is because one of them is, it's the small limb of a larger person, or the large limb of a smaller person, of a day-old baby. They're equal. It's a small limb of a larger person, that is true. But a large limb of a day-old child, that does not qualify. What's the din? We have a bright at the time, Rabbi Shimon Ben-Azomer, so we'd see that the way to explain Rabbi Shimon Lazar is similar to the way that Bey Rabbi Yanai said, and that is that the Aver Katan that we are speaking about in the Mishnah is an Aver Katan, a small limb of a young child that is a day old, and it will be a Machloket what Bey Rabbi Yanai said. And Bey Rabbi Yanai will subscribe to that which Rabbi Shimon Lazar says, whereas Rabbi Natan will disagree. Okay, we'll stop over here.